0: Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, Video Production Director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. I like to have fun up here, and I like to keep it light for the most part. But sometimes you just gotta get serious. And you gotta understand that Life in Christ is good, but it's also got its difficult parts. Why should it be any different for us when Christ himself had very difficult times? So we're going to continue in this series called Thessalonians. And uh, it'll go up there eventually. Uh, The idea that we are working through two books of the Bible, in this we just finished our look at First Thessalonians, and now we're going to jump into Second Thessalonians. So, if you've uh, got your Bibles with you, open up to Second Thessalonians, chapter one. And this particular sermon is called "Thy Will Be Done." Thy will be done. And I think it's important for us to understand that there is a a connection to the sacrifice of Christ that we just participated in and understanding the will of God. Jesus was all about doing the will of God. And we often say, well, yeah, he was God. No, he was the God-man, and he was supposed to be This example of what it looks like to live a life completely and utterly surrendered to the will of God. What's an example if it's not for us? It's for us to see what it looks like to live a life completely consecrated to the will of God. And sometimes the will of God takes us down paths that are not comfortable. Jesus went. To the cross in accordance with the will of God. Sometimes you're going to go down to places following God's will that are going to cause strife, trouble. Jesus talks about it. So we're going to talk a little bit about hell today. Big idea of the message is this God will never for, uh, force himself on us, we must embrace or reject. His love. His will is that all would come to salvation. But he's not going to force himself on you. Hell is not a popular idea. According to the Pew Research Group, about 72% of Americans say that they believe in heaven. Now you break down that 72% and, and, and see how people think they get there and it's, a, it's crazy. It's all over the place. But they believe in some kind of heaven. Whereas only 58% say they believe in a hell. Now, I thought that number was high. That's a a high number. I was not expecting that. Uh, I I would, you know, in our culture today, I I would have thought that that number would have been way lower. Okay. So 58% say that they believe in a hell. We don't like the, the idea of hell. Why do we have a hard time with hell? I'll tell you why. Um, one of the reasons why. We don't like the concept of consequences. Oh, wait, let me just, we like consequences for other people. We just don't like consequences for us. We want grace for number one. But we want justice for everybody else. I mean, how many people have a story like that? Where they, you know, they did everything they could to get out of having to pay the price for their, their whatever. Right? And, and we plead, oh, grace. Grace. We have an innate sense of right and wrong or justice. We have an innate sense of this. We are not righteous by any stretch of the imaginations, but we have the basic hardwired justice put into us. We, we understand, like somebody t- who talks about, like, I don't believe in uh, objective truth or right or wrong, black and white. Slap that person. Just smack them haul off and deck them. What are they going to do? You can't do that. Well, why not? I'm just living my truth, man. And my truth says you need to be slapped. What are you going to do? This is the concept of moral relativism. And it's become very vogue in our age. But it quickly falls apart in an example like I just gave. Moral relativism is the belief that there are no objective truths or absolute right or wrong. That we all should just live our truth. And that's all well and good until your truth violates my truth. And there's, if there's no objective standard or what, of what is moral or right, then we just have chaos. Because we all know it's not right to just go up and slap somebody. Look at Will Smith. Some people are like, I don't watch TV. Um, It's not okay. It's not okay. We just know, know that. You can't violate somebody like that. That's not right. But where does that come from? You can't make that statement unless there's some kind of objectivity behind it. At the root of moral relativism is the desire to be able to do what we want, when we want, with whomever we want, and not have to pay the consequences for behavior that rubs up against the established moral code. Christianity disputes moral relativism by emphasizing that there is a great law giver. He alone is righteous. He alone is the one who has has codified the moral code and will judge according to it. He alone. And that's, see, when I talk about uh, thy will be done, when we want to live like Christ, we have to also act like Christ. Christ. And that may be a little different than what you're expecting me to say. Matthew 5, 38 says this. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, listen to this. Don't resist an evildoer. What? How is that just? Don't resist an evildoer? I was talking to a young man the other day who was, very upset about uh, the way the church is going in America. And I feel his pain, but his reaction was, we need to mobilize and basically militarize. And I said, you had me up until that. No, seriously, I'm with you, man. I'm, I, I, I feel you. He's like, we need to band together and and we need to uh, create a banner that is as as visible as their banners out there. You can probably get an idea of what the banners he's talking about. And I said, I feel your pain, but I just can't, I can't, I can't go there. I can't go there. The scriptures actually talk about us living a quiet, peaceful life with all men, As much as it pertains to you. Be at peace with everybody. Love is actually the weapon of our warfare. We care for one another, and that is attractive to those who would be attracted. So he says, do not resist an evil person. That's tough. That grates against our innate sense of I want justice. But we would love that if it was us. Don't resist the evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, we already talked about this, turn the other to him also. If, as for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. If uh, if anyone faces you, uh, forces you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Oh, oh, man. As you heard, it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That's why I could not go down that road with that young man. We're supposed to love our enemies. Doesn't mean we agree with our enemies. There are definite enemies out there against the church. I get it. But how do we we fight back? By loving our enemies and doing good to them. That's so hard. But that's what Jesus is teaching. I I, I hate to let you in on this, but this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' words. And you're like, when are you going to get to 2 Thessalonians? Well, get there. Calm down. Calm down. We pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of the Father in heaven. If you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be a child of God, this is how we act. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even tax, collectors. tax collectors. The lowest of the low. <laughs> Don't even tax collectors do the same? Today we would just put like IRS in there. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now what does that mean? Can you be perfect? No. Nope, you can't. But if we do this, we 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 we're, we're we're searching and we're moving towards the perfect god that's how he wants us to act and that grates man that grates against our human nature that gates that grates against our innate sense of american justice we're very individualistic in our country and that grates i get it but it's not my will but your will be done. I can't, I can't walk away from it. It's right there. It's in, it's in your Bible, it's probably written in red. All right. Back to 2 Thessalonians chapter one. This is written to a people who are doing a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job with living out the way of Christ in their community. He's just so excited about these people. He's writing letters, and like, he's, these are less like, these are like love letters, man. He's just like, you guys are great, I love you guys. You guys are doing just what I want you to do. Do it even more, keep going. But what are they doing? They're living for Christ in the midst of persecution. Okay, so he says this, verse three. We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters. And rightly so, since your faith is flourishing, and the love each of you, uh, one of you are, uh, excuse me, and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. You see, that's what the church is supposed to be. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you among God's churches. He's not even writing just writing letters to them. He's going to other churches. And he's going, you guys got to hear about Thessalonian church. These guys are awesome. We, you guys, should be more like them. And what are they doing? They're thriving in the way of Christ under persecution. We boast about you, about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. Wait a minute, Pastor. I thought that when I came to Christ and I, I surrendered my own will and I, you know, I laid every, oh, I laid everything down. You don't know, Pastor, what I could have done. You don't know how good my life would have been, but I laid it all down for Christ. Good for you. I thought everything was going to be better. Okay, why did you come to Christ then? Did you come? Was your acceptance of Christ just trying to rub that genie just right so that you'd have the life that you wished for? Or was it a surrender to the only God of the universe? Yes, you're going to go through persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. Verse 5, it is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment. Here we go about judgment again. That you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also are suffering since it is just for God to repay with affliction, those who afflict you. Whoa, now we're getting somewhere. And here's the thing. Paul puts this out very clearly. He goes, those people who are afflicting you, they're not going get, to get away with it. They're, they're not going to get away with it. But they're not to be judged by your hand. You are to love. Your, my will is for you to live a life like Christ, who, by the way, allowed himself to be hung on a tree. But they're not going to get away with it. It is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to, to you who are afflicted along with us. This will ta- when, was it, when is this going to take place? Oh, God. I'm going to serve you if you do it now. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious Strength on that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at by all those who have believed because our testimony among you was believed. In view of this, we always pray for you that God will make you worthy of his calling and by his power fulfill your every desire to do good and your, uh, and your works produced by faith. I love this part because if you stop too early, you get a a different message. By his power to fulfill every desire. That's awesome. That's exactly what I wanted when I rubbed that genie. What does it say? Fulfill every desire to do good and your work produced by faith so that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? We spend our time glorifying the name of the Lord by God. It says in God's word, so that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him. There is no greater joy in all of heaven and earth than for God to say, wow, Susie, what a girl. She's amazing. I love that girl so much and glorify your, what? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's worth it all. It's worth it all. I want to I stand before my Lord and Savior one day and have him say, hey, Davy boy, good to see you well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in, enter the joy of the Lord. That is worth it all. That's worth it all. Come on now. We we get stuck on some real petty, stupid, materialistic things. He said all the suffering, all the persecution, all that you're going through now is is worth nothing compared to to the, to, the, to, to the God and the Son of God, glorifying your name on that day. Wow. Well done, Leslie. Good job. Well done. Good and faithful servant. I mean, wouldn't that be, I mean, come on. That's what we want. That's what we should be working for. God's will, not ours. Hmm. Wish we could keep that focus, couldn't we? glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All that is only possible because of what we remembered today. It's Only possible because of the, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. Okay, moving on. Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonians for remaining faithful while they suffered persecution is also a reminder that God will execute his righteous Judgment. You don't have to take matters into your own hands. Good news for those made right with God through faith in Jesus, but bad news for those who, quote, do not know God or do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The ultimate penalty is hell. Separation from God, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, verse 9. Now, there's a lot of debate. I'm just going to be real with you. There is so much debate over what hell actually is. In fact, those 52% of people differ greatly. The ones who believe in hell disagree a lot on what it actually is. But it ain't good. You don't want to go there. You know, some would say, you know, Probably going to hell, but I'll be there. Good company. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, go with that. I don't don't think it's going to work out for you that way. At least I have a lot of company down there. What are you going to have, like a tea party? It's hell. It's horrible. At the very least, and this is enough, it's outside of the glorious presence of God. I don't even know. We don't even understand what that looks like because we've always been in within the universe that God inhabits. We don't even know what that's like. We don't know what that's going to do to our very essence of our being. We have no idea. God isn't to blame for sending. How could God do that? He didn't do it. We did it. How could God send someone to hell? How could you want to go there? How could you be okay with leaving that up to chance? God isn't to blame for sending people to hell. Condemnation is our destiny as sinful men. Humans. I'm going to read a few verses for you. Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. If you, are, if you are looking to use the scales of good and bad, if you want what you deserve, your wages, I know you don't. You don't want that. Because the wages of sin, and we're all sinful, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That's what Jesus came to do, to give you a special gift that only he could give. So that you don't have to go to hell. That you don't have to be separated from him for eternity. We put our hope and our trust and our faith in him that he's going to judge justly based on his Righteous judgment. He said, I can give that gift if you receive that gift. God is to be praised for rescuing sinners from the hell we all deserve. God stepped in and made a way for his righteous judgment to be satisfied so that we could be rescued. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That goes right back to the the, the, uh, Sermon on the mount. He said, good for you. You do good to those who do good to you. Great. Even the tax collectors do that. But do good to your enemy. Pray for those who, this is what Jesus did. He's only asking us to do what he's done. While we were enemies, while we were tax collectors, Christ died for us. He died for us, even when we didn't want him to. We didn't care. He still did it. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, and for all those who are not in Christ today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord. This is a pivotal verse for you today. Romans 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. There's a period there. Period. Wait, but Pastor, don't I have to do something? Well, yeah, that. What about a baptism? Do I to get baptized or something? Not what it says. There's a period. Don't I have to take communion? Or you can, and that's part of being a Christian, but that doesn't get you to be a Christian. Don't I have to like walk up a set of stairs on my knees to some shrine or something like that? No, well, I don't think you do because there's a period there. What is the things? Declare with your mouth, Jesus is the And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For it is with your mouth that the, you believe, excuse me, with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's where we get the concept of the sinner's prayer. That's where we get the concept of the sinner's prayer. And we believe that if, if the heart is right, because the heart's got to be right. You've got to actually, the, the, the words, you know, it's not a magic spell. The, the words are just a mirror of what your heart believes. But that's where we get the idea of the sinner's prayer. If you confess with your brother, you pray that, and ask God to do these things, he will do it. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on, there's that word the, using the mouth again, calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Punctuation point is a period. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Can anybody say hallelujah? I mean, that's, whew, that's a good verse right there. I don't know, that preaches. Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you're living today under, if you're in Christ today, and you're feeling unworthy, you feel condemned, you gotta shake that off. You gotta read the word. It says, it says, you are under no condemnation. Now, is, is, um, guilt a good thing? Only if it causes you to repent. But your guilt, I mean, Your sin doesn't separate you from God, it just, I mean, it doesn't separate you from eternity, but it does put a chink in the relationship. You want to get that back, you want to restore that, you want to repent when the the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you're off track, and that's okay. But it says this, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you confess, when you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, you will not have to suffer the pain of hell. And you gotta put that to bed. And you gotta walk in this freedom of life in Jesus Christ. Now, that life in Jesus Christ, because it's his will, not ours, will sometimes be difficult. I'm, I'm just going I'm not gonna candy coat it for you. We we won't have the condemnation of hell hanging over our heads, but where he leads us sometimes can be tough. Because what are we? We are ambassadors for Christ in a very dark world. We are. We are soldiers of Christ that carry the armor of God, which is faith, peace, right? Salvation, the word of God. It's not the armory that we, it's not the weapons of our warfare are not the same as the world's, but we are still on the front lines. Therefore, we're gonna have some stuff that comes our way. I'm not gonna candy coat it for you. But condemnation. There's a there's a mis I got stop. But there's a miscommunication and in, in our understanding about the, the cosmos. We think that Satan brings us to hell. That's not really true. It's the ju- righteous judge of justice of God that will send people to hell. But it's not God who sends them, it's us who are live in condemnation already, who are not in Christ Jesus. It's justice. Now the Satan tries to do everything he can to separate us from the grace and love of God. And blind us to God's love for us. But he, he has no more power than that. He's just that, that annoying thing nipping at your heels all the time. Trying to pull you away from the love of Jesus. There was condemnation due to our sins. But now there is no longer condemnation because we're in Jesus Christ. I want to read to you one last passage before we close in prayer. And I'm going to give everybody an opportunity today to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and also to pray in such a way that they shed any condemnation that they may be carrying in Christ because that's not good. That's baggage. You don't need to be carrying that. But I want to read to you one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture. and I'm going to read it out of a different translation because if we don't shake it up a little bit, it just becomes, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. So I'm going to read John 3, verse 16, out of the message. It says this. This is how much God loves the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone who uh, can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point An accused finger, telling the world how bad it was, he came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Oh, that's a great word. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. This is the crisis we are in. God-light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God-light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes god light. so the work can be seen for the God-work it is. He didn't come to this world to condemn you. He came to set you free from the condemnation that we were already living in. God so loved the world. C.S. Lewis has this great quote from the great divorce. He says this, there are only two kinds of people in the, at the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Can we be the, the former? The people who say, God, your will be done, God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, in me, through me, for me, as it is in heaven. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for this moment we've had today to, to meditate on the will of God, kind of dispel any false ideas around it, and really lean into what it looks like to live a life that follows the example of Christ. God, it is my supreme joy to be able to share the word of God with people, to illuminate the love of Jesus into the hearts of those who have not yet received it. So at this moment in time, Lord, I want to take that opportunity. If you have never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never said, uh, I believe with my mouth, uh, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you've never done that before and you are living underneath the condemnation that comes from original sin and you want to get clean today, I would ask you just lift your hand today. Hallelujah. Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 With me, I want you to use your voice. I want you to use your voice, and I want you to say, you don't have to be loud, but I want you to speak it. And I'll speak loud too, so you don't have to worry about it. Say after me, Jesus, Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Today I make you my Lord. Thank you for not condemning me, but giving me a way out. For acquitting me of my sentence of hell. You are good. Help me to live for you who died for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.